so, do you remember la- last lesson, last class? You don't have to say if you listened to it or not on the podcast. I don't want to know. But I hope you remember enough to hang with me tonight, okay? So, uh, stand with me. So, if you lied to yourself, we'll strike you down right now. We need a good Ananias and Sapphira's moment. Just set everybody straight, wouldn't it? If one person dropped dead, we'd all be in good spirits, wouldn't we? Like, we'd all really be obedient. Yeah, we need to lose a... I mean, just turn someone's hand up. Just make someone a leper just for one day. You know, and you can let them go back normal, but we'll all have... You know, Usually it happens to the bad people. What happened to that hand of Devin? You don't need it. God, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you for leading us and guiding us and protecting us. I pray you speak to us tonight. You make us more like you. Ready you mold us and shape us. Jesus, let me pray. Open our hearts and our minds to understand your word. And the church says, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Yeah, so tonight is lesson number two of our awareness series out of six. Uh, do not be shocked. I have like 15 sermons that I have in the docket, never shared before. And I had two of them work for like a year and a half on both of them. I'm super psyched about them. I'm going to share them. But um, it's not preaching this Sunday. And so I was going to use one of those. Super excited. But I feel a very urgent, very urgent, urgent, urgent feeling to preach lesson one that we did in this series upstairs to everybody. So it's going to be wild. If you remember lesson one, it's very pers- very honest. Not personal. Very honest. They're going to think, oh, man, sense. Very honest. And um, so I'm pretty excited about it. A little nervous about it. But don't be shocked when you hear it. Okay? You still get something out of it? You hear it again? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Good deal. Jesus made me do it. Okay? Blame him. So, uh, we're starting back with our verse we ended on last week. If you realize, I taught the lesson backwards as usual, or not as usual. I started without a scripture text, ended up with a scripture text, and that was our formula to grow with awareness. Okay, that's how you grow in your awareness of God. First, remember the, the key word here was shema, means biblical word for hear. Our word for hear means I just observe, I'm just aware. But their word for here, that when the, you replace it with their word, it's Shema. That means not just see, not just to be aware. It means that I respond to what I see. It means I obey what I hear. So when they said hear, when David said, hear me, Lord, even though you hear all of me, even though you're omniscient, even though you, and there's no thought you don't see, no word before I even speak it you don't hear. You see all of me, but can you, can you see some more of me? Can you hear some more of me? He wasn't asking for the all-seeing God to see more of him. He was, because that word that he was using had two meanings. He was saying, Shema me. He was saying, get more involved with me. He was saying, if, if I know that you're there. He said, I see you in the, if I'm in the grave, I know you're there with me. If I'm on a mountaintop, I know you're there. I know you hear me. It wasn't just saying that's nifty because I know you're there. He was saying that if I know that you're there, then I can invite you to be there. Because the first key to invite God in is you have to wear that he's there. You ever wondered why? Like I said last week, why do we not ask for God to help us if God's omniscient? Why do we not ask God for change if he's omnipresent? How come if it's so easy, you have not because you ask not, why did that work for us? Because we simply forget he's there. And so this helps us remember that he's there. We work on it, we practice, we grow in our awareness. doesn't matter how much God wants to do in your life. doesn't matter how willing you are for him to do it. If you don't realize he's there, you can't invite him into that area of your life, invite him into that moment. Overcoming sin is simple. Because I said Corinthians chapter... 11, I quoted, Paul said, it's very simple, but the serpent, just like he did with Eve, he confuses you. He makes you forget what you got. He makes you forget that I'm there. Very simple, childlike faith. To overcome sin, you just remember that God's always watching and you let him be there. If you know that he's there, you can invite him in. You can shema him. 
if I see him, the more I see him, the more I get involved with him, the more I can biblically hear him. That is true biblical awareness. I don't just observe him. I have involvement with him. Remember? You get it? Good enough recap? Okay, check. My son, if you receive my words, if you receive my words, receive them, you observe them, you hold them, you know what they are. If you receive the words I've given you, anything you know about God now, think about everything you know to be true about God now. No matter how small or great your understanding of God is, just picture it. And treasure up my commandments. Treasure up or use my commandments. If you see my words, you receive them, and you use them, you value them, you put them into practice. That is, you respond. You get involved with me. It's not just enough to know me. You have to become like me. You have to get involved with me. Basically saying, if you take the verse that you know about me, and you just don't stop at revelation, I know that God is a provider. You, you take it and say, what does that do for my life? How does that change me? How do I act differently because of this? How do I have more faith because of this? You apply it because God gives you revelation. It's how you see God. He reveals himself. And then you have application. It's how you see yourself differently because you've now seen God. Coming back to you now. Now when I see God revealed, it changes me when I apply it. But revelation does no good for me if I don't apply it. Okay? Treasure up my commandments. Use them. Making your ear attentive to wisdom. Meaning... Now you recognize more of God. Now you're more sensitive to God. Notice, I took what I knew about God. I received it. I held it. I used what I knew about God. I got involved with it. I shamaled him. I obeyed what I saw. I have awareness. I'm acting on it. Now my ear is sensitive to see more Jesus. I can hear more Jesus. I'm more aware of God now. We've all had these moments where something now seems easy for you to understand about God, but a while back it wasn't that easy. You're now more sensitive because you've been walking with God. Inclining your heart to understanding. Because I can hear more of him now, I can reach for more of him. Notice, I took what I knew about him, and I applied what little it was to my life. And now I'm, little, I'm, I'm super spiritual now. Now I'm way more sensitive to greater things. Verses are making more sense because I took what I knew, I applied it for myself. I revelation application. I heard him in observation. I responded to him in involvement. And now I can hear more of God and reach for more of God. I've grown in awareness. Your whole life's going to break down this couple steps. That's how it works. I see more of him. I obey more of him. So I can see more of him and obey more of him. Okay? If you understand that, then this, the rest of the lesson is going to be super chill. Okay? So, Shema is the basis. I want to hear God biblically. David wanted to hear it. That's why he's a man after God's own heart. He didn't just see God. Saul just saw God. I see that God wants me to do right, but I don't do right. I see that God wants me to be pure, but I don't, I'm not pure. David is a man after God's own heart in that he, every time he saw more of God, God saw more of himself in David. It changed David more and more and more. I was reading 1 John, new book. I bet you haven't made it that far. 1 John. I love the Johns. Those John books are great. Not the Gospel of John. There's more. Did you know there's three more? 1 John, 3 John, 2 John, 3 John. <laughs> They're great. I mean, the, biblically, they're so deep. And I love this. 1 John chapter 1 through 2 says this. God is light, and in him there is no darkness. No darkness within God. He is light. He uses this word abide. I love the word abide. He says that if you say that you abide with God, who is light, but yet you walk in darkness, you really don't abide with God. He said, but if you abide with God, who is light, then you will walk in the light. 
He said that, that if you abide in him, at the end of the statement, he says, then you'll walk like him. What does that word abide mean? Oh, this is so spooky. You know, the word abide has the same definition of Shema. Shema is an Old Testament word. It means that I see him and I obey him. You know what abide means? Connected to and adherent to. It means that I receive God and I obey God. Same word, just a different testament. Jesus is teaching the same concept. God is light. And so if I say that I, I, I receive the light, I know the light, I know about God. But it's not just about knowing and seeing and being connected to God. It's about being apparent to God. Your relationship, abiding. Abide means relationship. It's broken down two steps. I love this. Relationship, two steps. I can't just see him and understand him. I must apply him, become like him. I must obey him. That's abiding. That's shamaling God. And now I walk in the light. Walking just means you're applied. I love the, the verb walk in the Bible. He said, if, you, if you're connected to the light, if you abide the light, then you'll walk in the light. Galatians chapter 5 says this, that if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Meaning, you receive the Spirit when you got the Holy Ghost, right? One time experience. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Shama. Mm. Now, you have to stay saved by walking in the Spirit. You just can't throw it out. Because Romans chapter 6, they asked Paul, can we just sin because we have grace now? This sounds fantastic. And Paul said, God forbid, because you know that whoever you obey, you become a slave to. So grace isn't just about forgiving you, it's about keeping you free. Because you can be forgiven by God, but still be bound to sin. We've all been there. You're forgiven on Sunday, but you're bound on Monday. Grace can forgive you over and over again, but it's up to you to let grace change you. That's lesson three. Don't want to get ahead of myself. So that's what abiding is. I can't just see truth. I have to obey truth. That's my relationship broken down that way. God is saying, if you want to be like me, you see me, and then you say, how should I be different in the light of you? You are light. Expose me to the light. I want to see myself differently. I want to be different. That's walking with God. And there's grace. Don't worry. Next lesson. If you feel like, I feel like I walk in a lot of darkness sometimes. Does that mean I'm, I'm just cut off? No. Next lesson. Just wait. There's grace. It's a spoiler alert. But it's putting emphasis on your response. My whole relationship with God is validated by my response to my connection to God. I just can't be have a one-time salvation experience and we're done. I have to grow and pursue God every single day to become more like Him. When I sin and mess up, I don't look like God. We, in the same chapter, 1 John verses, or chapters 1 through 2 says this. If you sin, He is faithful to forgive your sins if you confess in them. We have an advocate with the Father. He said, you're all saved. Who is writing these two, these, these chapters? But I'm writing this so that you don't sin, but you're going to sin. And so you will confess your sins, and God will cover you, and then he will change you. You become more like him. You fall into the safety net of grace, and you don't use it. You don't abuse it. You get up and become more like him. The more I see God, the more I must respond to God. Your whole walk with God is not predicated on what you know about God. It's how you respond to God, how you are changed by God. God. It goes on and on and on. That's how awareness happens. Hebrews chapter 2 says that we must pay ever closer attention to the salvation we've been given. Notice this. Lest we drift away from it. I thought each salvation was eternal. I thought that I once saved, always saved. He said, Paul said, you must pay ever close attention to the salvation you've got, this wonderful salvation, lest we drift away. He's predicating that it's based on my response with God, not a one-time thing. Hebrews chapter 10 says if we go on sinning willfully, that there will no longer remain a sacrifice for us, that we cut ourselves off. I just can't go on sinning willfully. God's not a computer program. He knows when I want this and I don't want this. I can't just say forgive me. He knows if I want to be forgiven and changed. But I love this. 
I, I am changed by God. I am molded by God. I am shaped by God so I can become more like God. So I see him and I receive him and I'm changed by him. It's all predicated on my response to him. Make sense? Simple enough. So there were these, the armies of Edom, the armies of Israel, the armies of Judah. They're all fighting the Moabites. The Moabites are built against Israel. And they, uh, they're out in the wilderness and they're about, to, they're about to die from thirst. They're freaking out. The Israel king, he's carnal, he's a jerk. He's like, we're just going to die. God's punishing us. They said, is there a man of God here? Lo and behold, there was Elisha just chilling out in the wilderness. I don't know how he was there. Just a nick of time. And they ask, what can we do? And Elisha says, here's the word of God, if you receive my words. He says, rain is coming because you asked for rain. Rain's coming. And they're like, we believe you. You know, I know they believe them because they did something in response. James says, faith without works is dead. You have to have a response to your faith. They could have just said, we believe you, but then did nothing that the man of God said to show their belief. It's like Noah saying, God, I believe that you're going to save me from this flood. But this whole ark thing seems like legalism. Like, I'm not sure how to build this ark. Well, you don't believe him then, because there has to be obey obedience. Notice James in our last lesson said that you can't separate what you believe from what you do. They come together. That's why Shema is the same word. And so they are told by a man of God, rain's coming. The word is true if you receive it. God is true. God is peace. God is patience. God is everlasting life. God is amazing. That's true. It's going to happen whether you like it or not. God is going to be epic. I know that verse. It's not going to change. Me not obeying that verse is not going to change that verse. God is still God no matter if I obey him or not. It's fixed. Rain is coming in your life whether you like it or not. But here's the cool part. He said, but God wants you to make this valley full of ditches so that you can catch the rain and so that you can be nourished by the rain and not die. Notice that if they had just, just said they believed, I hold verses. I look at the Bible. I, I, I hear the sermon. I'm aware of God. Let's just say they had that, but they didn't dig any ditches. There had been no rain to drink. They died of thirst. Knowing that something was true did them no good. They had to respond to what was true. They had to abide with truth. I'm connected to truth. I've received his words, but I must respond to his words. I must treasure them and use them. I must hear God, Shema God. I must perceive him, but then get involved with him. I must take something my awareness, and they dug ditches. So why? So it would change them and help them. Notice, rain's coming in your life whether you like it or not. Whether you catch it and it changes you is up to you. I love that. God's going to be God no matter if we like it or not. But how, how much of God gets to be in my life is determined by how many ditches I dig, how willing I am, how much I repent, how much I seek his word. It's all predicated on my response. And I love this. They didn't know this was God hid something with them. I love this. God turned the water to appear to look like blood to the enemy. So the enemy thinks, nobody thinks, they all killed each other. They had a fight, and they all killed each other. So they run out of their camp ready to take the spoils, and the Israelites are like drinking their coffee like, what, Joe, what's going on? And they put their swords, and they just kill them all. They win the battle because God tricked the enemy with the water. Did God explain to them that he was going to do that? No. All he said was, rain is coming, dig ditches, and you'll be quenched. If you receive what you know about me, you believe it. And you apply what you currently know about me, you obey it. It will open you up to things you don't know about me yet. Your ear will be attentive to greater wisdom. How? So then you can reach for greater change in your life. 
God didn't tell them, you got to obey me and you got to receive this water because I'm going to use it to conquer your enemy. He didn't tell them the whole plan. But because they used what they had, it opened up the things they weren't currently aware of. And now it makes sense, right? I knew God was going to do that in my life. I knew that friend was a jerk. I knew I didn't need that job. It makes sense now. I knew he was going to turn the water into blood and freak everybody out. It's a duh. It's easy to understand it now because now you have greater awareness because you had a little bit of awareness and a little bit of obedience. Now you got greater awareness and now you got greater obedience, greater change. God's not always going to tell you the whole plan. Step by step, clarity comes from the goal. You walk down the path of righteousness, the Bible says, and then you'll understand righteousness. Don't track God to a timeline. Just follow him step by step and you'll think, I don't know enough, but I can't understand enough. Just take what you know and say, God, how does this change me every day? And then God will show you more. God will never show you more of him if you haven't applied what he's already shown you already. I see the light that I currently know about God. I apply it and it purges me, changes me, and clarifies me. So then God shows me more of him. But God will not show me more until I obey more. Because same chapter, I'm going way too long, I'm rambling. Don't make me nervous. I'm talking way too much about points. I know you understand me. It's, it's okay, I just rambling too much. Same book, next chapter over. I love this. Side by side, it's intentional. Elisha meets a widow woman. Widow woman's husband's died, obviously, because she's a widow. That was a spoiler alert. And her son's going to be sold into slavery because he can't pay her debts. And Elisha says, go take, you got one jar of oil left? Okay, we're going to do a little DIY project. Go take that oil. Grab all the vessels you can around your town. He said this, do not grab too few of vessels. Keyword, don't grab too few of vessels. Okay. Goes into her house privately with her son, a little private prayer meeting. A little the father that sees in secret rewards and public action going on. And they're hiding there and they're praying. And she's pouring her oil and she has tons of vessels. I mean, the, the house is a wreck. And she's pouring it and the oil doesn't run out as she keeps filling every single vessel. And this is money, this is riches, everything's changed with her. This is healing, this represents everything. Do you know when the oil stops? When she runs out of vessels to pour it into. She ran out of things to put the oil in and so the oil stopped flowing. And God hit me in the throat, if he's ever hit me in the throat. The oil represents truth and knowledge in his spirit in our lives. And he's always going to flow in our lives if we have enough response and obedience to receive it. If there's enough ditches in your valley to receive the rain. The rain will only work for you if you have enough response to receive it. The oil was peace. The oil was love. The oil was grace. The oil was power and passion and guidance. But it stopped flowing when she had no more room to put it. You get more of God in your life when you obey and you grow and you have more obedience to receive more truth. God knows when you're oversaturated, when you, 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 you just can't handle it anymore. You've got to master this lesson. You're working on something with God. You, you can't get past this, this concept with God. He's going to leave you there until you get it. She ran out of response, and so she stopped receiving. Response is obedience. Response is appearance. Response is application. Oil is revelation. I want to see more of God. God wants to show you more of you first. God wants to show you more of you first. Every scripture, you should find yourself in it. And that's amazing. And then God opens you up to more. The oil keeps flowing if I keep having room for it. Make sense? You receive more of God. That's why scriptures make so much more sense when you find yourself in them. That's my job. That's why I get, a, that's why I get paid. To help you find yourself in those scriptures. Why? Because they do you no good if you can't see yourself in it. I bring the revelation help you with the application so you can overcome this life. That's why. That's what different ministries do. We make it easier so you can apply what you have been, you, has been revealed. Give you more vessels to be filled. Help you dig more ditches to receive. Because in Matthew chapter 11, 
I'm going. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus teaches a parable. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. There are seeds that a farmer plants. Okay, the seed represents truth, salvation initially. Represents anything God will ever give you from the moment you're saved onwards. Calling, talent, spouse, everything. It's the seed of life. And some of the seeds fell on the path. Concrete, gravel, and the birds ate it. Some of the seeds fell in rocky soil. And, and there were rocks underneath it, and so it grew fast. You didn't tell there was problems because the rocks underneath. But because there was problems on the inside, it choked it out. No one knew what happened. It just didn't grow. It just didn't last. Another seed was planted in ground that had thorns. It was able to grow, but there were issues on the outside that choked it out, and it died. It shriveled up in the sun. But there was a seed that fell on good ground. And there was rocks. There was no rocks on the inside. There was no thorns on the outside. It grew and it bare fruits. And he said, this is the kingdom of heaven. What he's saying is that notice how each ground, each ground is a person, each situation is a person. Notice their different responses. Everybody got the same seed, the Holy Ghost, truth, love. God loves everybody equally. God, everybody's saved. It's the same salvation issue. Same seed. The power that the seed has in your life is not predicated solely on its power itself. In itself it is a limitless power. The well that flows out of your belly. It is, it, is, it is so powerful. But notice they all got the same seed. And it all was received the same way. We all speak in tongues. We're all baptized. But notice, after a little while, they didn't all respond the same way. They all had growth off the bat. But one person has something under the ground. Rocks that no one else could see. But it began to choke out growth in private. And now we don't know where they're at. One person had issues that we all can see. We've all had issues. Like, oh, I know that's a thorn in my life. And it choked out the growth. The sun shivered it up. But you all know when you've been good ground. And you got things out from underneath. And you made sure there wasn't things outside of you. And we all know when you were doing right. And fruit began to be born in your life. But see, it wasn't about the power of the seed. It wasn't about what you received. It was about how you responded. Nothing ever matters in your life beyond your response because God can give me everything and he can give you everything but we can have totally different outcomes because we respond differently and I love this because Jesus ends this parable his little altar call statement Yoda Jesus being all cryptic and stuff he said he that has ear to hear let him hear <laughs> he that has ear to hear let him hear he that has ear to hear let him hear what was the word for hear we're being interactive what was that word for here, Hebrew, anybody? Come on, it's an, it's an S word. Or, oh, there we go. Shema, that's the biblical word for here. He said, he that has ear. What does ear represent through all this awareness? You have greater awareness, you can see more of God. You wish for more of God. He said, if you have the ear, if you have the awareness to understand this parable, then see me, hear me, see me and obey me, shema me. He literally says, you won't get nothing out of this if you're not aware of who I am and what I came to do. And the disciples say, hey, why are you being so cryptic? They can't understand you. He said, did you understand me? He said, yeah. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like this. Some of you are going to have the awareness of who I am and what I'm going to do because you're willing and you're open. You're, you're, you're unobstructed. He's basically saying you're good ground. Because you have the awareness of me, you can see me and then you can apply to me. But people that can't tell that I'm the Messiah, people that cannot see and they're not willing for me to change them, they, they can't see me, they can't apply me. He's saying the key to this life is I see him and then I release him. But if you can't see him, then you can't release him. But a lot of emphasis on if you do see him, which we all do, more and more in our lives, more and more releasing, 
more and more application, more and more growth, more and more response in the soil. He literally was explaining the whole parable to them. Some people are ground that don't receive me because they saw me, but they did not hear me biblically. They were not changed completely by me. Romans chapter 8 says that Jesus died on the cross to fulfill the moral obligation of the law. Meaning, sin said, because you sin, you must die. Jesus said, I can look like you and die in your place, and I'll pay that debt. But notice this. It said that Jesus died on the cross to fulfill the moral obligation of the law. Meaning now he paid your debt, and now he's going to allow the Spirit to help you live up to the moral expectations of the law. Now you can have families that stay together. Now you can have a pure heart. Now you can kind of live up to the law with the law, the spirit of the law that he was preaching. But notice, Jesus died to fulfill the moral obligation of the law by those that live according to the Spirit. The moral obligation of the law is received by those that live according to the Spirit. Did it say those that were born according to the Spirit? It said those that live according to the Spirit. It didn't say those that were baptized in milk and tongues. It predicated their response to everything. What is about being born is about living with him, becoming like him, falling in love with him. Because every child born in this natural life has a lot of potential. But we all know they can all start with the same opportunities, but how they respond determines everything. Jesus is saying, you're born in this thing, kudos to you. It's great. You have Everybody loves you. You're super cute. But how you become like me, how you respond to me determines everything. You fulfill the moral obligation of the law. If we sin willingly, there no longer remains a sacrifice, Hebrews 10. How I respond to the birth receives the life that happened when I was born again. How I live, how I reach and how I have an altar every day. I receive that life by living for him, falling on grace when I need it, and getting back up again. It's about how I live, not how I was born. We forget that. We're so quick to, for people to get the Holy Ghost and crusades and 30 people. They don't come back. Why? We focus on birthdays and not living for him. We turn up a little bit. We focus, we've done new converts, it is serviced. Because we're like, if you get the Holy Ghost, you get baptized, everything's great. No, it's not. You're going to be bound. You're still going to have problems. Because you got to learn how to live. You've got to learn how to walk as a newborn child. you got to learn how to talk. you got to learn how to, you got to study. you got to go to school. you got to do some things. Just because you were born with potential doesn't mean you have to access the growth within by growing. Did you know? Did you know? In Matthew... And Mark, Let me, this one reason I have notes, Devin, don't be disappointed. This one reason I have notes, I don't know this reference, I'm having references. Mark, chapter, Matthew chapter 8, verses 28, and Mark chapter 5. It says the same story. Gospels do that. Mark chapter, Matthew chapter 8, and Mark chapter 5. It tells the story. Matthew says there were two men that had demon possession issues. Okay, here's what happened. They broke chains that were bound about them. They lived in the, in the tombs, and they ran around screaming, and they terrified the people. And two men called out to Jesus, Hey, son of, son of David, son of God, what do you want to do with us? Don't terrify us. Cast us into the pigs. Our name is Legion. Or one of them said, Our name is Legion. Cast them out in the pigs. Okay, we know how that works. You know, Mark chapter 5 is the same story, but there was only one man. One, you've heard me tell this before. One man lived in the tombs. One man ripped his clothes off. One man terrified people. One man had chains that he broke. One man caught out and had legion in him and said, what are you doing here? Why are you terrifying me? Why are you terrorizing me? Let me go into these pigs. Cast out. Well, what happened to the other guy? Why did Mark not include the other guy? Because Mark didn't say what happened to those men. He just said they were healed. And that was end of story. Matthew, but Mark says something else. Mark says what happens 
to the man that had legion. It says that the man who had legion was found sitting at Jesus' feet, clothed in his right mind, freaked out all of his old friends that he was so changed. And he asked Jesus, can I be a disciple? Jesus said, no, stay here and minister. Mark kind of gave a hint that there were two men, like Matthew Shook. He said, the one who had legion sat at Jesus' feet. I don't know what the other cast demons' problems names were, but this one was named Legion. Why did Matthew have two and Mark had one? Because that means that God would do something specific with Mark. If Matthew focused on those that received God initially, Mark was focusing on those that responded to God continuously. Because one man wasn't just freed in a moment. He wanted to follow God for a lifetime. He didn't just, wasn't just aware of God. He shamaled God. I see God, and then I respond to God. Mark was told by God, for whatever reason, I want you to focus on the one that came back to me and that wanted to live for me. Because a lot of people can have interaction with God. A lot of people can be initially saved by God. A lot of people can be healed by God. But not a lot of people come back and stay changed. But maybe you're not convinced. Maybe, oh, maybe you're reading the scripture. Well, I thought you'd say that. You know, Mark and Matthew do it again. Matthew did it again. There were two blind men in Jericho. And they both said, Son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd said, Shh. And they called it again. Hey. And Jesus said, What would you have me do for you? And they said, Go on our sight. You're healed. Mark in Jericho, one man said, Hey. Help me. And the crowd said, shh. He called it again. Jesus said, what would you have me do? Notice the similarities in these stories. What would you have me do for you? And he said, I want my sight. His name was Bartimaeus, and he was healed. Same story. Two different gospels. But Matthew, once again, had two men, and Mark had one. Why? It doesn't tell us, but I believe in my gut. Bart stayed changed. Bart wasn't just about receiving physical sight. Bart must have did something. Bart must have stayed. Bart must have sought God. Bart must have had a good heart because he was named. The Gospel of John says there were so many miracles they couldn't write them all down. It would have filled up the whole world. So what decides? Every miracle is wonderful. But what decides what one blind man makes in the Bible and another blind man doesn't? I believe it's those that stay changed. Those that did something with what they received. Those that really responded to God. I believe all the miracles they didn't make it is that God preferred those that had a response to what they received. Because there were ten lepers that walked with Jesus, and he healed all of them. But one leper came back, and Jesus said, where is the nine? And you're a Samaritan. You're a stranger to me. He said, they just went off. Jesus said, because you came back to me, because you responded to what you received, you fully abided, connected to, apparent to, you shamal, you saw, and you, you obeyed. Because you did this, though they were healed, you're going to be made whole. It means that they were healed. They stopped decaying. But there's still wounds. But when he came back, his body came back into fruition. See, a lot of people can be healed by God. Not a lot of people are made whole by God. A lot of people can be saved by God, but not be whole for a lifetime. Salvation is given in a moment. Victory is unwrapped for a whole lifetime. It's about how we respond to him. It's about how we respond to him. I, got, I didn't want to use this. I was going to save it. But, okay. Daniel. Daniel turned his heart towards God. The angel gives a, later in the chapter said that, Daniel said, why did you hear me? Like, why, why are you talking to me? Why am I having visions? He said, because I saw, God saw your heart turn to him. Before he even said a word, he saw a hunger. And Daniel's now made aware that God sees him and he sees God in a way and now they're being super involved together. Life is being birthed. Awareness is growing for Daniel. 
And every time Daniel had a vision, he didn't understand it. And it made him physically sick. I, physically sick. He was just, he was a wreck. You know, every time he's trembling, shaking, falling over, the angel has to touch him again to get him to get back up. Crazy. Every time he saw a vision of God, he would crawl and limp towards the angels and say, can you explain to me what happened? What is that about? And then one time, he was so troubled by a vision he had two years ago, like a sermon that we would have forgotten about, a prayer meeting that we would have just let die. He was so moved by something he once saw about God that he was aware of God. He went to his Bible, and he began to read Jeremiah, just daily devotions, and he was so moved by what he saw. He reached for God. He saw God in Scripture. He's aware of God. He, then he reaches for God. He has an ear, then he reaches with his heart. And the angel shows back up and explains to him a vision he had years before. He had more awareness of God when he had the vision, but he had application with God when the angel interpreted it. Happened four different times. In the midst of fatigue and brokenness and, and fear and, and bodily pain, every time God revealed himself more, Daniel said, can you apply this to more to me? Why my folks in the pain you have? Because it's very painful after you see God to ask to apply God. It's hard enough to see holy things. It's hard enough to cry on an altar call. It's hard enough to get yourself to do that. You know, it's hard enough to come to church, hard enough to come to Wednesday, it's hard enough to feel them in church. But it's even harder to take what you saw, even though it's hard on your flesh, and apply it. It's like Jacob wrestling with God. I see the angel. But am I going to wrestle with the angel until he changes me? Am I going to be involved with the angel until I'm changed? I see him, but am I going to respond to him? It's very hard because awareness is hard to keep alive and responding is hard to keep alive. But there's nothing more worth living than wrestling with God and having a fully established walk with him where you don't just see him, you see him in your life. You're changed by him. Daniel had physical pain. It's hard to have a prayer life, y'all. Like, it's hard. We've all been there. Your heads, you get a headache, and oh, God, I, sound, I sound stupid today. I just, I just can't. It's hard. It's going to be hard. You let the fear, you let the pain cause fear because you think you're the only one that has the pain. Wrestling with God is very painful. It's not going to stop being painful. It's, it's worth the pain. Every time you see God, you're going to think, do I want to apply more of this in my life? It's heavy. Holiness is heavy. Salvation is heavy. Ministry is heavy. It's hard enough seeing it. But then you're like, do I want to apply this? I do this all the time. I literally wrestled. I'd read more scripture. And I'm like, do I want to preach that? Because I don't understand that at all. I just Maybe I don't want to touch that book of the Bible ever again. Maybe I just preach faith. And I'll preach worship. And I'll preach you know, uh, praise. I don't know if I want to touch awareness or holiness or selah. But I began to wrestle with God. And I began to change me. And I realized, like, oh, that's what happens when I begin to see God in me. Because I grew up knowing a lot about God, but I wasn't changed a lot by God. It's very simple. You just have to be embraced for the wrestling match you're going to have every day of the rest of your life. It's very off-putting to wrestle with God. And so if lesson one is asking for awareness, you're asking, you're growing, and go back and listen to it if, if you don't see how these fit. I asked so I can see more of God, thus I have more involvement with God. This lesson is called responding to awareness. It's about the involvement after the scene. It's the last step of the Shema. It's the appearing to and the abide. You understand what I'm saying? It's very difficult, but it's very worth it. Because you have, if we say we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You receive the seed, but what does in your life is turn by and wrap it. 
And I end with this, and I'll say this, this verse every single lesson from here on out. I said it last week. Romans chapter 6 says that you're, you're saved. Romans 6 says you can't sin cause, just because you have grace. And, and that there's the death, burial, and resurrection. There's salvation initially. He explains all that, Paul does. Then he says this. You have a fruit of your salvation, which leads to sanctification, and its end is everlasting life. What he's saying is, when you got saved initially, it was a seed, and it bore fruit. And that fruit is sanctification, or, in other words, holiness. Or, in other words, devotion or consecration. And what happens after devotion and consecration? Eternal life. What happens? You have the initial invitation. And then you have the continual response. Death by resurrection won't get you to heaven unless you have the consecration between your birthday and to your glorification day. It's how you respond to what you know and what you receive. He said it leads you to sanctification. It leads you to holiness. That's why you don't earn salvation by being holy. You don't earn salvation by working hard. You don't earn salvation by all this. You're just receiving it. You're letting it in because you can cut it off. And the next lesson I'll explain all of that. But stand with me. 34 minutes. That's too bad. No, okay. 34 minutes. It's okay, right? You're okay. You guys said a little fatigue? We're going to have five energy for, for Caden. Yeah. You understand it? I'm a little nervous about sharing the first lesson upstairs. Um, but, because um, I don't, you know, there's a lot of things you go through with about preaching, like different securities. I want to be deep. I, uh, you only get a couple times at bat. Uh, you just did a lot of things. So it's a little nerve-wracking sharing something because it's, it could be simple to some. They're like, oh, I get that. But I just rationalize it this way. Some can, one can hear one message, one can hear the same message, and one person's life changing, the other person's like, I don't even know if that person's called. You know? It's all about your awareness, your acceptance. And what I hope, I want to preach it again to y'all, of course, and also people upstairs, because if I can just get you to see God in every moment, you can be with God every moment. And then you won't sin. That's as simple as it is. Every time I sin, I forget that God's watching. But I shout it out. Every time something happens in my mind that I don't want to happen, I forget that God sees my mind. And I'm going to share something with you I will not share with them upstairs. I pray out loud a lot. I have my prayer time. Check the box. I'm going to heaven. I do it. Um, I speak in tongues. I met, you know, now it's it's not like I I fall into speaking in tongues. I have to work myself up. Uh, I've talked about this to you all a lot. Like speaking in tongues becomes like a second language the more you do it. And you, you don't feel as like emotional heavy because now you're, 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 it gets easier just like talking when you're a child. The first words you're like, mama. And they're like, hey. When you're like 35, you're like, mama. Nobody's clapping. It wasn't that hard. You weren't crying. I can speak in tongues about crying. It's just it's what it is. But I also pray in my mind a lot on purpose. I'm not saying a God awareness like light incense and just, you know, I'm saying like literally me and God are chatting it up because it's a very hard. Oh, yeah, it's hard. My ADHD is like, but I do it because I want to take God with me everywhere, even when I can't talk out loud. When I'm talking with her, and I don't want her to hear me say, Merritt, don't be a jerk. God, help me not be a jerk. I can't say that in front of her. You know, she's like, you're going to be a jerk? I want God to intervene in moments that I would not invite him usually. I want God to intervene in moments I would not invite him usually. And I want it to be so innate to be aware of him. So I'm practicing awareness. That may sound woo-woo to you, but I'm making sure that this garden of Eden remembers that God is watching it. Everything that God's put in me, I don't want to not see it. I want to have awareness. I want to remind me of my pillars of my past. 
footprints of my future and the consecration of my now. And I want to be sitting at a table with you at dinner one day. And when my humanity wants to just lash out, I want my, because I've, I've practiced for so long, I want to be able to go, God help me, and God rushes and helps me. Because I looked for him, I released him. Because I saw him, I invited him. You all know every time you get yourself in trouble with friends and family relationships, because like you didn't ask for God's help. You just didn't. Afterwards, like, oh, Lord, forgive me. Help me in the future. And so we pray before our day for God to help us overcome in our day. What if you didn't just trap God at the beginning of your day? What if you found out a way to take him into your day constantly? Ooh, that's, that's some different stuff right there. Like, what if you could remember he's there the whole time? Like, that's why we, that's why we worry about what music we listen to. Because you want to be aware. You want to keep your mind on. It said that bring your, it said bring thoughts captive. Be transformed by the movement of your mind. And it says to focus on things that are, whatever sort of things are true and holy. It's because you're practicing awareness. You're trying to remember that God's there so that God can actually be released in your life and change you. Come on, somebody. Tell me what. <clears throat> Tell me what. Y'all, I'm, I'm being funny now, but like, I've been a mess. I've almost cried three or four times in this, in this lesson, and I, I've been crying crying crazy, so. I'm just keeping it light. I'm going to freak you out. If I start bawling randomly, you, you know. I don't want you know. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. But it means a lot to me. I really want you, you know, to not go to hell. It's the least I could care for, you know? I just want, you know, it's, I just, it's the least I could do is eat faster. And I believe, the reason I want to preach this, again, don't judge me. It's not that I have a lack of sermons. I have just more study. I have too many sermons. That's why I'm going gray. It's because I, I think if I can help you kick, I think it's a key to kickstart everything. So, lift your hands with me. God, I talked and rambled a lot. But we want to be honest with you and honest with each other. God, allow us to be changed by you. What we see you in you today, what we received of you today, about your word and scripture too, this is not the real altar call. The altar call is how we respond tomorrow. And it seems so verbatim. It seems like something super rehearsed. Like, go live it. But honestly, this does us no good if we don't allow the seed to grow the next day and the next day. I pray against thorns, issues that we know are wrong, that we can uproot. I pray against stones, issues deep down that we're not aware of there, that you would reveal them, that you'd help us uproot them. I pray that every every seed of truth would fall on a heart that is willing and receptive. We've all had moments where we received you, we spoke in tongues, we were, we were passionate, we were moved, and we said we're going to change. But we all know we did not respond in the way. And we keep coming to you, and we're being replanted with purpose, being replanted with the calling, being re, we receive, it, receive it again. But we need to work on our response because we'll become like you. God, allow us to see you so we can invite you. Don't let us be an Eve that loses our paradise, Lord. Please, Lord, don't let us be an Eve that loses our paradise. Every dream, every heart, every mind, young and old, I know, I'm probably praying too long. Stay with me, stick with me. You know their hearts. You know the strong, you know the weak. There's not always going to be accountability. There's going to be super strong people that have very weak moments randomly. And they're not going to be able to go to everybody. Give them the strength to work out their own salvation and fear and shame. Because sometimes they're not going to go. Just as it is, sometimes they're not going to go tell somebody. God, give them the ability to allow you to pull them out, to receive your word, and to dig a ditch so that it changes them. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church says, Amen. Amen. Happy Hanukkah.
Okay, I'm turning the lights on the music. You can do whatever. Right, chat it up. Drink it up, Pepper.